Civics 101 is supported in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Nick, you've heard of We Are the World, right? Are you kidding? I, I lived through it. Oh, yeah. What about, uh, do they know it's Christmas? Tears are not enough? All of them. Good causes, cheesy, cheesy songs. I always wondered, if is that the best way to encourage charity? Right, yeah. I mean, but that was the 80s for you, is this hotbed of cause-driven, star-studded ensemble ballads. Did you ever catch, um, Can We Count On You? No, I missed that one. You can count on me. Can we count on you? You can count on me. Wait, was that Mickey Mouse? One of the most famous celebs on the planet. Answer the census, we're counting on you. Answer the census, we're counting on you. This is a song about the census. Correct. The U.S. Census, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, the mild-mannered survey that Americans fill out every 10 years. Mild-mannered, until it comes out of the phone booth in a cape and tights. The U.S. Census is about people, money, and power. It defines whole decades, Nick. It determines how much of a say you or I or anyone has in the political process. The census determines what resources we have access to and how many of those resources we actually get. The census is a tool at the very core of our democratic system. So what you're trying to say is, good cause, cheesy song. Good cause, cheesy song. You make it sound like it's my duty to answer the question. It is your duty. Answer the census. It counts for more than you think. It counts for more than you think. It counts for more than you think. And what is your part in this enterprise? It's to cooperate with the enumerator. To answer the census question. Answer the census on April 1st. I'm going to. Our separate identities will be lost in the process, which is concerned only with what we say, not who said it. This is Civics 101. I'm Hannah McCarthy. I'm Nick Cavadice. And today we are covering the U.S. Census. All right, brass tacks first. How does the U.S. Census actually work? The census process, well, basically, for most households, uh, what they experience is they get a letter in the mail from the Census Bureau. This is Hansi Luang. I cover the people, power, and money behind the 2020 census for NPR. So someday between March 12th and March 20th, most American households are going to find an envelope from the Census Bureau in their mailbox. And in past years, uh, people, most households have gotten an actual census form. But in 2020, most households are going to get a letter explaining that they should go online. And there will be a, a link to fill out a form uh, on the internet and also a code. And um, basically, people go onto a form, fill it out, and then the Census Bureau collects that information. What is the information they're asking? What's the Census Bureau actually collecting? The main point of it is just to count us, right? Yes, right. 
that and only that is the part that is constitutionally mandated about the census. The enumeration of people in the United States. They want to know how many people live in your house, from the youngest baby to the oldest adult. And before we go any further, I should say that the questions on the U.S. Census shift. The census of 2020 will look very different from the census of 1900. But at the moment, when you count people in your house, you're counting people who spend most of their time there and people who are living with you as of April 1st because they have no other permanent residence. But if the point is to count everyone, what do they do with like deployed troops, kids away at college? And what about people who live in group settings like uh, prisons or nursing homes? So the Census Bureau has a whole category called group living arrangements. That's military bases, colleges, nursing homes, residential treatment facilities and correctional facilities. In those cases, the Bureau contacts an administrator and establishes a process to count everyone living there. So sometimes that means that individuals get their very own census form. Sometimes it means that an administrator counts and identifies the population based on their own data. And of course, hundreds of thousands of people experience homelessness every year. And in that case, the Census Bureau deputizes workers, they call them enumerators, to check in with shelters and soup kitchens and uh, non-sheltered outdoor locations to make sure that everyone is counted. But it's actually so much more than just the numbers. It will ask whether the home that you're living in, whether that's owned, and if it's owned, if there's a mortgage, and if it's not owned, whether it's rented or occupied without rent. It will also ask about the race of every person living in the household, and also uh, whether every person living in the household identifies uh, as being of Hispanic, Latino, Latinx origin. It will ask about the relationship between the people living together in a household, whether they are, for example, a married couple or an unmarried couple. It asks about the sex of each person living in the household. Um, and it also asks about the age as well as the date of birth. I think that's about it. Yeah, those are the basic questions. I have a bunch of questions about this. First, was Hansi saying that the census both asks whether you're Hispanic, Latinx, and asks you what race you identify as? Yeah. This is one of those questions that has shifted over time. So in order to figure out what the census should be asking, uh, what federal agencies feel they need to know to figure out budgeting and resource allocation, the census works with the White House's Office of Management and Budget. Now, that office requires that the Bureau ask about Hispanic or Latinx ethnicity before asking about race, which has made the category, uh, quote, some other race, the most often selected after white and uh, black or African-American. And there was a proposal to change the way these questions are presented on the form. So essentially have a combined question and asking for people's race and ethnicity in one combined question. But that proposal required approval by the White House to change how the, the standards are set. But the White House's Office of Management and Budget has uh, been, been silent publicly. I, and so we're going to still see a, a separate question for Hispanic, Latino, or Spanish origin. All right. So my next question is about the sex category. Are male and female the only choices? They are. Can you just leave it blank? 
You can skip questions. Plenty of people do submit an incomplete census form, and they're still included in the headcount of the United States. But I should say that you can be fined for refusing to answer a census question. It could also trigger a visit from an enumerator, although that has been enforced pretty rarely in the past. It is not a question about gender identity. And the two options uh, to, to answer the question about sex, yeah, it's male or female. All right, so let's get to the big question. What is the census for? Why does the government need this data, and what do they do with it? So the census is actually in the Constitution. They require a count of the people every 10 years. Um, While there's a myriad of reasons why we want to understand the size and characteristics of our population, there are a few critical elements that go into it. First, the census is used to determine the apportionment of congressional representatives. And that is actually in the Constitution. This is Sharon Tossi Lacey. I am the chief historian at the Census Bureau. I oversee a team of four other historians and a researcher, and we are charged with being the institutional memory of the Census Bureau. And what she means by determine the apportionment is that the population numbers of the census are used to figure out how many congressional representatives a state should get in the House. Right, so the greater your population is, the more representatives you get in Washington, D.C. Also, how many electoral votes your state has. And that means every 10 years we redistribute. And when I read that Texas and Florida are probably going to gain seats in 2020, for instance, that's contingent upon census data. Yeah, and the United States was the very first country to constitutionally mandate a census. And it's way up there. It's Article 1, Section 2. It's the Enumeration Clause, Clause 3. And we were one of the very first to use the resulting population count from the census to decide how many reps a state gets in Congress. So the census is essential to how our government operates. Crucial, yeah. And think of all of the other ways that the census affects us. Because it's not just how many reps you have in Congress or how many electoral votes you have. I mean, that is a, a huge part of the power element. But then the census also tells us how many men, women, children, uh, married people, elderly people, people of a certain race, even adopted people there are in this country and where in the country they are. Remember, the census is people, power, and money. And here comes the money part. The next is to determine the distribution of billions of dollars in federal funding, and that affects what goes to hospitals, fire departments, roads, other resources like that. Billions of dollars are in the balance. The federal government determines where to send this money They're gonna put schools where there are children. They're gonna put the roads where there are businesses and where there's houses. And without an accurate count, you're never gonna be able to put those in the correct places. So if for some reason someone doesn't or a whole bunch of someones don't fill out the 2020 census, it could mean the difference between having a school in your community or not? Or even just having a well-funded school in your community or not. Okay, so I would imagine that anything that is likely to deter someone from actually answering the census and making sure the population count of their community is accurate so that the community can therefore get stuff, that might raise some red flags. I mean, this was part of the fear about the citizenship question, right? The Trump administration 
make this last-minute request for uh, a citizenship question, uh, which has not appeared uh, on a census form for all households for decades. And so it would have been a very significant change if it were added, and that was part of the debate. Yeah. Now, it wouldn't be legal for the census to, let's say, pass on information about individuals to Immigration and Customs Enforcement or something like that. Because there are actually laws in place to prevent the Census Bureau from sharing information that could identify you for 72 years after that information is collected. So it's not like answering honestly that you are not a citizen could have affected your ability to stay in the United States. Yeah, but come on, if I'm worried about being deported, I'm not going to answer an official question about my status. Right. That is one of the biggest challenges facing the census, because the Constitution calls for a total headcount of every person living in the country, regardless of immigration status, regardless of citizenship status. If you're a resident of this country, the Constitution says we want to know you're part of this population count. But there are people who do not want to be counted and do not see the the purpose of being counted, do not see the value of being counted, and are worried that any information collected about them could be used against them. There's a reason that ads like this. In 80 million mailboxes across the USA, the census is a common to help us plan the way. Exist. The Census Bureau has been trying to make the census inviting and non-threatening pretty much forever. Even if you don't somehow fear for your chances of staying in this country, this is a document that asks for the essential facts about you. And we, as a nation, aren't typically thrilled to give that information up. Well, it's funny you said that because I actually have uh, editorials from 1790 where people complained the census was too intrusive and too expensive. So some things never change. Um, So America was kind of founded on a little bit of mistrust of the government. So you always had these questions of why does the government want to know what's happening in my household? Uh, We saw this especially in 1810 when we started doing the census of manufacturing and we had to assure people and it was in the legislation that nobody could identify their business from their answers. And that was kind of the beginning of the idea of confidentiality. The Census Bureau has to toe this fine line between Hey there, we're your friendly pals, the census. Nothing to see here. And also, please, please, please pay attention to us. We really need you to do this thing for the good of life in America. The the census is here to make your life easier, so people shouldn't fear it. So basically, as it stands right now, the only thing that can hurt you about filling out the census is not filling out the census. It sounds like the basis of so much that we count on. Uh, the census is such a you know wonky, boring-sounding word, but really what we're talking about is money, and we're talking about power. And you know this is a concept. This is a requirement of the Constitution that's mentioned before voting, before any mention of a president. This is fundamental to how we set up our representative democracy in the United States of America. And it also helps form our, the reality that we live under for the next 10 years. Federal funding is tied to census data. The population of your state determines how much your state can get for Medicaid, Medicare, 
Uh, funding for the Department of Health and Human Services, funding for transportation, funding for public schools, funding for public housing. If the government has an inaccurate count of your state's population, that can mean losing out on hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars. There are no do-overs. It's, it's a one-shot deal. And I think if people realize that so much is at stake, and it is, again, about money, about power, I think uh, everyone would become a census nerd. There's this ad from 1920, uh, interesting in part because it focuses on new immigrants answering the census. Anyway, it ends on this line that made me do a double take. And when job is over, count shows nation's population is 105 million, all Americans. Ooh, all Americans. Yeah. It's almost impossible for me to conceive of a tool that is so closely tied to government and politics that also cares more about your living here than it cares about your being a citizen. And that element was actually built into all of this from the start. You know, I base my reporting on, on primary documents, and then, you know, the primary document on the census speed is the U.S. Constitution. And, um, you know, Article 1, Section 2 uh, does not use the word citizen when figuring out, you know, how to conduct a census. In my time, I've looked at a lot of old censuses from the 1900s and the 1920s. And to be fair, they did have language in there, like, where are you from? Where is your mother from? What language do you speak in your house? But the census still operates under the assumption that if you're a person and you're here, you are counted. Yeah, and you know what? Sharon Tossi Lacey told me that the Census Bureau will never ask about your legal status, right? They'll never ask, like, are you here in the country unauthorized? Because for them, the thing that matters the most is how many of us there are. They have a job to do. We must have many facts about ourselves as a nation and as a people. The census is the machine we have jointly established for finding and publishing these facts. Civics 101 was produced today by me, Hannah McCarthy, with you, Nick Capodice, and help from Jackie Fulton and Sarah Ernst. Eric Jenick is our executive producer and does a daily, not decennial, enumeration of the entire radio station. Music in this episode by Jazar, Junior85, Sarah the Instrumentalist, and Scanglobe. You can find loads more helpful information about the U.S. Census at census.gov. And just a general reminder, December 31st is the deadline for our student contest. Give us your 60-second stump speech. You can find all of the information for that at civics101podcast.org slash contest. Civics 101 is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio and is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.